Good morning and welcome to all and a special warm welcome to all our visitors. Um, thank you, Olivia, for asking everyone to sit right in front of me. Uh, when I was busy preparing, I was actually walking from right to left the whole time to accommodate everyone. So now I'm going to have to stand still. Um, I want to greet you this morning with the words, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is yet to come. Uh, just uh, in short, I know some people uh, haven't heard my testimony yet, so I'm just going to take three minutes quickly and give you a brief overview of that. Uh, I gave my life to the Lord at a very early age, and that was at youth I was in grade um, six or standard four, as we, as we know it. Uh, but I often uh, gave into the pressures of the world. So I was raised mainly by a single parent, my mom, uh, with an elder brother and two younger sisters. I'm the only Baptist in the family. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was raised previously as a, as a Methodist, so I'm very thankful for the foundation that was laid as a Methodist. Um, we wanted a new beginning as a family, and God called us uh, to be Baptist. Listening to Pastor Johan Janssen in Bloemfontein was such a blessing. And in Utenek, we experienced the same blessing, good theology and good doctrine. It was then that I committed myself to doing nothing. And by saying that, uh, to me it was more about listening to God and being quiet. Um, that changed dramatically when my wife, Junita, was diagnosed with cancer in 2015. After God miraculously healed her, I recommitted my life once again. And I was encouraged by Pastor Paul and encouraged there. For me, I, I, I enrolled, encouraged us to enroll in Baptist or in uh, theological studies. So I enrolled there in 2017 and uh, the first semester was quite hectic. I actually wanted to stop studying after the first semester. It took me, I think, about a month just to uh, remember the name of the subject that I was doing. Uh, I can remember it now. It's called hermeneutics. So, yeah, it, it, it took some encouragement from Pastor. And then also Pastor Trevor Anderson from the, the Lighthouse Baptist Church and also Irma Daisti uh, and Pastor Ellen was also one of my teachers. So I am grateful to announce that I have completed a higher certificate in ministry and through it, and through it hope that God will use me for his glory. Amen. Okay. So our scripture reading we will find in Matthew 2, from verse 10 to 13. Matthew 2, verse 10 to verse 13. 
When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for your mercies. Thank you for your grace and your everlasting love. Thank you for your word. I pray that we will receive it and that it made clear in our hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Pastor Ellen spoke about one night, one star, and thirdly, one miracle. So the title of my sermon this morning is One Ultimate Gift. We know that gift-giving is special, especially this time of the year. It's Christmas, and everybody is looking forward to receiving a gift. Some also in giving. Uh, one day, A.J. Gordon, pastor of Clarendon Church in Boston, met a young boy in front of the sanctuary carrying a rusty cage in which several birds fluttered nervously. Gordon inquired of the boy, Son, where did you get these birds? The boy replied, I trapped them out in the field. Gordon asked, What are you going to do with them? I'm going to play with them, the boy replied, and then I guess I will just feed it to an old fat cat. It was then that Gordon offered to buy them. The boy ex ex exclaimed, Mister, you don't want them. They're just little old birds and they can't even sing. Gordon replied, I'll give you two dollars for the cage and the birds. Okay, it's a deal, the boy said, but you are making quite a bad bargain. The exchange was made and the boy went away whistling, happy with his shiny coins. Gordon took the cage, walked around the back of the church, opened the door of the small wire coop and let the struggling creatures soar into the blue. That boy told me the birds were no songsters said Gordon, but when I released them, they winged their way heavenward. It seemed to me they were singing, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. It is the song sung in every carol this season, redeemed. It is the word the shepherds heard, redeemed. It's the assurance Mary received, redeemed. It's the star the wise men followed, redeemed. We were trapped in a cage of sin, no hope to save our souls. And people would say we were not worth much. But Jesus purchased our pardon. 
we indeed have been redeemed. We have been set free from when we received the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Lord and Savior. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 15 and says, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift, the gift of salvation. We have been set free. Thanks be to God for the gift of salvation. Now, what is a gift? Shortly defined, something voluntarily transferred by one person to another person without any compensation, totally free. Something given to someone without expectation of a return. Now, on Friday, I visited the post office in renew renewing my license desk. And as I entered, uh, some kids came toward me and they gave me a lolly, a small packet of knickknacks, and a small cupcake. And as they presented it unto me, the first thing that went to, through my mind was, I need to give something. So I was searching for my wallet in order to place some money in some kind of a tent. So that was the expectation from me. It was, or oh, we are, or oh, I've been programmed in that way, that if you receive something, then you have to give something back. But to my surprise, it wasn't necessary to give anything because it was a true gift from them. The other day, when I ordered something from Wish, on the website it stated that it's totally free. So I purchased something, Wish, I purchased something and I ended up paying, I think, a hundred and odd rand. So even though it said free on the ad, it wasn't free. So that was not a gift. Origin of a gift, gift giving has its roots in pagan rituals held during the winter when Christianity folded these rituals into Christmas. The justification for bearing gifts was redirected to the three wise men, the scripture that we've just read, who gave gifts to the infant Jesus. At that time, Christmas bore little resemblance to the family-centered holiday celebrated today. But when Christmas was domesticated in the 1800s in the US, the recipients of gift giving shifted from the lower classes to children. Given by versions of Santa Claus, it was then that a marketing opportunity was created, bringing us to the center in the shopping mall phenomena that we are experiencing today. For some, it's about making sales. It's about money. It's about making profit. In Matthew 2 verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This Christmas, before we share in giving of gifts, our priority is to bow down and to worship him. It is then that the treasures that God has placed inside of us will be opened 
and its purpose will come to light. Gift giving is purposeful. The first gift that baby Jesus received that morning was of gold. As was customary for royal visits, the wise men came bearing treasures, gifts intended to honor the newborn king. Because of its scarcity and immense value, gold was particularly associated with royalty and nobility. By bringing a gift of gold, the wise men showed that they did indeed consider Jesus as the king. Under the old covenant, the most holy place, also known as the Holy of Holies, was an inner sanctuary within the temple where the priesthood encountered the presence of God and offered a sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the people. As described in 1 Kings 6, verse 20 to 22, the walls of the most holy place, the altar within it, were completely overlaid with, and you can guess it, with gold. Uh, most recently, um, I just told Zunita when I was all stripped up, I, I, I felt like uh, Sia Colisi uh, with all the straps just before rugby match. I don't know why they strapped themselves up like that. But most recently, the Springboks won the Webb Ellis Trophy. And they still, or the, the cup itself, is also made out of pure gold. And that is the ultimate prize uh, that they received for winning that cup. So gold, indeed, it portrays kingship. How do we honor him? By doing his will. In obedience, in faith, and in nobleness. In acts of worship. They devoted themselves in doctrine, in fellowship, the breaking of bread, and in prayers, speaking about the disciples. By doing these, we add to the purpose of his birth. In doing so, we give him gold, and we acknowledge that he is indeed the king of all kings. The second gift was the gift of frankincense. It was one of the ingredients in the perfume of the sanctuary, when burnt, it emitted a fragrant odor, and hence the incense became a symbol of divine name. So the frankincense portrayed that Jesus was divine. The inclusion of frankincense as a gift for Jesus may have indicated that the wise men understood that the prophecy of the newborn king carried out with it a claim of deity. He is divine, he is great, he is marvelous, he is holy. As with gold, frankincense may also have an implied connection with the temple worship of the old covenant. Burning incense at the altar was a key part of the sacrificial system prescribed by God for the use in the tabernacle. 
Jesus is fully divine. The third gift was the one of myrrh, one of the compounds in the sacred anointing oil, also used as a perfume, brought by the wise men as a gift to baby Jesus. Also commonly known in those days for embalming. is a fragrant spice derived from the sap of a tree native to the Near East. Like frankincense, it can be used as an incense. But in the ancient, ancient world, it also had wider usage as a perfume, anointing oil, and was even embedded as a medical tonic used for healing purposes. Most notable with regard to Jesus or his life, myrrh was a key ingredient in the mixture of spices that were used to prepare bodies for burial. Perhaps the wise man intended this gift as an indication of Jesus' humanity. The frankincense indicated that he was fully divine, but the anointing oil indicates to us that he was also fully human. The primary significance of the gifts has great value. They were indeed gifts fit for a king. It is clear that there were great treasures given in an act of worship. These valuable gifts were clearly intended to honor the king. We have just spoken about three gifts that was given unto Jesus at birth, but then in return, there was a greater gift, and that greater gift was the gift given by God, Jesus, his son unto us, the gift of salvation. And that gift is what I am referring to as the ultimate gift. In Matthew 1, verse 21, she will she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. In John 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send him into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Christ Jesus is our Lord. In Romans 11, verse 29, for God's gifts and all his call are irrevocable. It is irreversible. It is immutable. It is irretrievable. It is unchangeable. It is unalterable. It is binding. His gift unto us is final. Three gifts were given unto him. At the time of his earthly birth, three names describe him. The name Jesus means 
Savior, and from the heaven, and from the Hebrew word, Joshua. So Jesus is Savior. Mary's boy child, Jesus, was called Jesus Christ. It means, or Christ means, the anointed one, or as we come, came to know it, the Messiah in Hebrew. He is Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus is his human name. Christ is his official title. And Emmanuel describes who he is. He is God with us. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. The woman at the well in John 4 verse 10, when Jesus spoke to her, he answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who, is, who it is that asks you for a drink, you would if asked him, and he would have given you living waters. Thanks be to God once again for his indescribable gift. He is indeed the king of all kings. If you look to my right or to your left, he is indeed the king of all kings. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is also the Lamb of God our Savior. Then finally, from a, a well-known author, uh, he doesn't sing that very well, but he has produced quite a lot of good music, gospel music, Kirk Franklin. He wrote a love song. And the lyrics, I'm just going to read to you the first verse in the chorus. The lyrics sounds like this. The greatest gift for me is not under the tree, but it lays deep inside and with hope it comes alive. It's not a holiday, nor is it in words that we say, but it comes from above. The greatest gift from God is love. The greatest gift, in repeat, is love. In conclusion, King Herod rejected the gift. The wise men accepted the gift. The Jewish priest ignored him. They knew the scriptures and they pointed others toward Jesus. But they themselves, they didn't go to worship him. Ignorance, rejectance, or acceptance. What do I choose this morning? What do you choose this morning? Amen. That, in short, is the word of God.